This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by TeamKeeper, SalesFuel's data-driven program for improving team culture, communication, and retention. Learn more about TeamKeeper at TeamKeeper.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We're so glad that you're with us today. Boy, have we got a guest for you. I'm Audrey Strong, Director of Communications for SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the president and CEO of SalesFuel. Audrey, you know, you and I talk a lot about this. The one thing that really drives me most at work is, is dealing with drama. Drives you nuts, you mean? It, it drives me nuts. It, yeah. it just zaps my energy because it's like I have to work really hard at, at trying to avoid saying something really stupid that's going to make things worse. <laughs> so, that's uh, why we have Cy Wakeman sitting at our table today. Hi, Cy. We're so hi. Good here. It's so good hey to be with the two of you. Yeah, well, let me tell everybody a little bit about you, Cy. Boy, you are a powerhouse. This is, a, and when I read the titles of your books, everybody's going to be like, oh, I know what we're talking about today. These are great <laughs> tittles. But first of all, if you don't know Cy, realitybasedleadership.com is her website and the name of her company. She's a drama researcher. Maybe some of you didn't realize that's a thing, but it's a very important thing. International speaker on leadership and management. She is a New York Times bestselling author. That's something I want to, I, I aspire to that. And a global thought leader. Three books, get them on amazon.com and we're all fine. Books are sold. Listen to these titles. No Ego, How Leaders Can Cut the Cost of Workplace Drama and Entitlement and Drive Big Results. I think that sounds great. Reality-based leadership, ditch the drama, restore sanity to the workplace and turn excuses into results. And the reality-based rules of the workplace, know what boosts your value, kills your chances and will make you happier, which is getting back to Lee. What you were saying, you want to be happy. Yeah, I, I want less drama. <laughs> less drama equals more happy. So welcome, Cy. I'm Hi, glad you can make it. I'm glad to make it. I'm glad to make it. And you know, it, a lot of people don't realize that we spend two and a half hours a day in drama per person, per headcount in the workplace, 816 hours a year per that person. Low to me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So no yeah. wonder it drives you nuts because it's such a waste. Yeah. It's such waste. And we've just accepted it as a cost of doing business. We're like, well, if you have people together, you're going to have drama. No, you're not. And in fact, the new thing that everybody's saying is, oh, bring your whole self to work. And I'm mm -hmm. screaming, do not bring your whole self to work. <laughs> bring your most evolved self to work. That's right. Because you've got choices here and drama is not, I had a feeling and now need to vent. A lot of people believe that drama is something that happens to them instead of a state of low accountability that they're in which the byproduct of which is drama. There's no drama when people are acting in a high state of accountability. I actually wanted to ask a question, set the table then for the audience. How are you defining drama? Drama is unproductive thought processes or disruptive behavior at work. That's not very recognizable. So let me give you venting, judging, gossiping, scorekeeping, tattling, resisting change, withholding buy-in, lacking accountability, blaming others, complaining, any belief that says that my circumstances are the reasons I can't succeed because your circumstances aren't the reasons you can't succeed. They're the reality in which you must succeed. So any of those belief systems or those behaviors 
we classify as drama, but drama is just emotional waste in the workplace, like any other waste, but it's waste. And how do you get rid of waste or with a good process? And how you get rid of emotional waste is with a good mental process. And at the risk of offending people who drive German cars, you also classify that as BMWs. <laughs> Absolutely. And I drive a BMW as a car, <laughs> ironically. But I try not to drive one in life. And the BMW, the acronym stands for bitching, moaning, and whining. And how many times are we in the meeting and we're like, oh my goodness, yes, that's where we're going as a company. I'm all in. And then in the meeting after the meeting, like four minutes later, we all jump in our BMWs, we drive them around, park them together, and have a little road rally about what well, this is a great idea, but if they expect me to participate, they're going to have to give us more money and more staffing and more time and everybody's got to be treated the same. And we come up with a list of terroristic demands on how reality has to change in order for me to give the gift of my work. Well, people, what is it they say? You never negotiate with a terrorist? Right? Exactly. Um, but but most leaders negotiate with the terrorists because they both believe engagement has something to do with their circumstances. We have to hit, we have to get buy-in. Yeah, we have to. Mm-hmm. You know what? Buy-in is a verb. It amazes me where people believe I can manufacture buy-in. Buy-in's your choice. And guess what, folks? I can only work with the willing. Yeah. I have a funny story about buy-in. I have eight sons, so we're a blended family. I have four stepsons and four sons that I gave birth to. When they start to be about 13, we know they'll probably be grounded in the near future. And and when you get grounded at my house, you don't slink off to your room and play video games. It's usually Friday or Saturday night, and you need to spend time with your parents. And what, what we like to do is play poker. So when you're grounded on Friday night, we play poker with the grounded people. Okay, there are mandatory. <laughs> I love audience. this. Now we found out that they weren't that they didn't have that much incentive to play poker with us. So what you play poker with is next week's allowance. We call Whoa. it double jeopardy, right? Wow. So I'm teaching my kids to play poker in anticipation of being grounded. So I'm teaching Charlie to play poker, and it took a while. He's not a card shark by any means. Well, he finally got grounded, and I sat him down. I go, okay. I dealt the cards. I go, this time it's for real. It's not practice place your bets. And he just was astounded. He goes, well, what do you mean place my bets? I would need to see your cards first. And I'm like, Charlie, that's not how poker's played. You don't place your bets after you know you can win. You place your bets. You're not betting on me. You're betting on your skill set and your cards. And you know, it dawned on me that that is really similar to how many employees are coming to work today. They're saying, "Um, before I place my bet, Will you show me, will you glass door me, you know, on glass door, will you show me that company's perfect so that of course I can plug and play? I'm like, no, I need you to buy in and let me be psychic. We won't have enough money and not everyone will do their fair share and customers will be demanding and timelines will be short and we'll have a lot of priorities and too much work. Given that reality, now will you buy in? Because most people want to buy in given a perfect reality and that's not buy-in. Buy-in is a verb knowing that reality will be pretty shaky. That's yeah. buy-in. Sounds like marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so, But it's a productivity killer. And the thing that I love about you, what did you call it? The freak? Well, it's the it's the drama quotient and the freak out factor. Yeah, the freak out I, factor. I love the freak out F squared. <laughs> but what you say is 
so somebody melts down or has a bad attitude or all the things that you listed and when they come and say i'm really sorry are we okay and you said it's okay to look at them and say you know what no we're not okay we're not okay and that was not okay and so that's the first step you should take is one of the first steps is a lot of people will say sai how can i hold people accountable how can i limit the drama how can i change them and i say you probably can't change others that directly but you can stop enabling it and so if somebody comes in and they have a meltdown and they come back to you and they're like sorry about that i just you know had to vent but we're still okay to say we are and that that was professional behavior and that is going to be approved of in the future is enabling just say you know what i care about you i get that we all reach our limits at times but now that you know your limit where are you going to grow next to make sure that you can handle changes like this without all the emotional expensiveness. See, your value as a, as a worker, as an employee, the value of your work, can you perform and deliver today? Are you fluent in the now? Do you consistently deliver what the organization asks you to? Not what you like to do, not where your strengths are, but can you deliver what the organization needs? Two, are you ready for what's next? Will you still be relevant in the future? Are you keeping up with the times? And three, what is your drama quotient? How emotionally expensive are you? How much do you cost in care and feeding in addition to your salary and wages? And folks, you could be a rock star performer, but if you're high drama, I'm here to tell you the way the formula works in today's world is your drama will drown out your performance three to one. Three to one. So being drama free is like being the new smart. It's the new quotient, so to speak. The DQ is better than the EQ and the IQ because it is what hits the bottom line. It's all about the DQ. So when you're hiring, would you recommend to a manager then that they should rather want to have somebody who is eh, average skill and ability and everything like that, but low drama or high skill, high performance, high drama? Which of those two would you recommend that they choose? I would tell you, even in the jobs that require the most skill, I would go for low drama every time. Here's why. We all should only strive to be average in our skill set. It's too much time to put in to be great in our skill set in a world that will change tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So even on like YouTube, people aren't valuing highly produced work. They're valuing organic work done to the best of our ability. It's the drama quotients that I uh, look for because I can, if you're willing and you're a typical human being, we can teach you most skills. Sometimes there's natural ability, but even if you're a rock star in national ability, I'm not going to say come with drama because you know what? There's people out there who are rock stars with no drama. So people make it mutually exclusive. Do I get somebody who's technically great, but high drama? I'm like, or get somebody technically great with no drama. They aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> That's an easy decision, yeah. right? <laughs> but how do we as managers uh, recognize then, you know, that sometimes when we're actually the ones feeding into the drama, because I had an epiphany about two and a half years ago, and I can't say that actually it was the epiphany that I had myself. It was an epiphany that somebody else had for me. But it's really difficult to, to come to the realization that, you know what, it's like this drama that I hate so much, I'm actually feeding into it and actually part of the cause of it. So how can I, how can I as a manager then tell if I'm part of the problem, not part of the solution? Anytime you as a leader are out of neutral gear, if you are stressed about it, if you're working harder at the solution than they are, if you're home taking a shower thinking about it, ask yourself, are they home taking a shower mm. thinking about it? Probably Any, not. <laughs> yep. Anytime out of neutral, 
And so many leaders invite me into their company and they're like, we have an accountability issue here. And so can you work on them? And I'm like, well, let's start with you. People sit <laughs> in my classes and they'll say, you know, it'll be a class on personal accountability. And they'll go, you know what? They'll come up to me at break. And they'll, they'll sat through a class on personal accountability and they'll go, oh, you know what? I really wish Ed were here. Ed's the one who needs this, you know, to hear this. And it just is so ironic to me how the ego works. The ego hears it and says, not me. I'm amazing. And so when I ask leaders, what are the sources of drama in their workplace? They always tell me when other people gossip, when other people BMW drive, when other people can't make a decision, when they won't let people go. And here's the truth, folks. If you have drama in your life and you're a leader, you hired it, mm. you allow or enable it, which is back to your point. Two for two. Two for two. Or <laughs> you are it. And so many times we as leaders or owners of companies are high performers and we're, we're really you know, early adopters. And a lot of times our own drama quotient that we put out is low, but the drama we enable is high and it's out of our fear-based behavior. If I give them feedback, they'll quit or I want to be liked. I'm like, well, do you want to be liked or successful? Well, I want to be liked. Okay, then trade in your success. So how do you force yourself into, let's call it self-awareness corner. How do you force yourself into that and then get your team to recognize it in themselves as well? How does that actually happen? It's self-reflection is the ultimate drama diffuser. It's self-reflection. Here's why. Your ego's binary. You can be in low self, which is venting, ego, seeing yourself as a victim, railing on everybody else and what they're not doing. And there you will find no options that you can have impact. So of course you'll be disengaged or you can be in high self, which is where I move out of venting into self-reflection. Self-reflection is the first step of accountability. And I start to ponder what's my part in this? What do I know for sure? If I were great, what would great look like? And then I answer that question and then go be great. And so the first step for leaders is to get themselves into self-reflection by asking questions for self-reflection. What do I know for sure? And editing my story, questioning everything I think, asking what could I do to help and stop judging, start helping. So let me give you an example of how you use this. I had somebody come up to me and say, hey, do you have a minute? And I'm like, sure, what's up? And they begin venting. They are so mad at IT. IT can't manage the way I have a paper bag and they should be fired. They totally screwed up the conversion and all of our data is wrong and we can't get any reports and they're, you know, they're ruining our business. And, and they were, this person was venting to me. Her name was Tammy. And she's like, Karen should be fired. Karen is ridiculous. I don't know how she keeps her job in IT. Now, most leaders enable, they would collude with the person and sympathize. They go, I know. We're really struggling. IT is making it tough for us. Just last week, we had wrong. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. leaders need to do is set the tone. Empathy is, I see you're struggling. I'm about to call you to greatness. I said, Tammy, first of all, I love that you're in my office sharing your love and concern for our colleagues in IT. Message, we're not dishing IT. Mm -hmm. Second question is, I'm just wondering what you did to help. So, Cy, that's the open door policy. And I know you made mention of the open door policy and sometimes the HR department as two things that I don't know, maybe aren't such a good idea as far as with trauma. Why don't you expound on that a little bit? Yeah. So when I first uh, came into leadership, I was a therapist before. And therapists believe in boundaries. Like, we don't have open doors because a lot of people don't know how to set their own boundaries. And <laughs> so, like, 
we have people that, you know, if you don't have an appointment, you're not going to see your therapist. So when I first got to leadership, they're like, keep an open door. I'm like, that sounds disastrous, but <laughs> it's the best leadership advice. So I kept my door open and my mind works like a researcher. So what I realized is the average Haiti have a minute meeting lasted 45 <laughs> minutes in oh, length. Oh God. Yeah. Haiti have a minute. If they would have said, Hey, do you have 45 minutes? Why are we strategic planning for the year? Like, are we doing something valuable? But no, it's like, no, we're, we're driving BMWs. Yeah. Hey, do you have a minute? Less than 45 minutes in length. I would go, sure. Typical conversation was BMW, tattling, venting, scorekeeping, I things know. that never happened. Typical conclusion after 45 minutes was, but hey, don't do anything. I just wanted you to know. <laughs> and I thought if I went to my CEO and said, here's how I lead. I spent 45 minute intervals with people to no return on investment. The open door being available isn't a negative or a bad thing, but we've got to clean it up with some non-negotiables. If you say, hey, do you have a minute? I say, hey, do you have an S-bar, which is a template that you process your work? So when you come to access my resources, it is well-processed. Here's the situation. Here's the relevant backgrounds. Here's my fact-checking and assessment. Here are my multiple recommendations to show my mental flexibility. See, when people bring you unprocessed work, you process it, then you go act on it, and then you wonder how you ended up with it. And so that, that open door, a, a non-negotiable in our company is stop judging, start helping. So when you come to me judging about somebody else, I will ask you, what did you do to help? Mm -hmm. And Tammy's like, I'm in here telling you. And I said, that's not that helpful. And in fact, I believe in this so much that on the back of your badge, there's a question that says, how can I help? And whenever you're judging a teammate and you're an ego, to get out of ego is you stop judging and start helping. What is going on? We have a data conversion gone south. What could I do next that would help? go do that. So I said to Tammy, do you have your badge? Yep. Do you have your question? Yep. I went and found Karen. I said, Karen, Tammy was just in my office sharing her love and concern for our colleagues <laughs> in IT. And she has a question for you. Go ahead, Tammy. And Tammy said to Karen, how can I help? And Karen had answers. Karen said, you know, we do business requirement meetings and you tell your team they're not mandatory. That's not that helpful. That's how we find out about all these extra systems. As leaders, we have to clean up our own act and quit BMW driving and quit colluding. And we have to realize that what people are upset about is their story, not their reality. And that suffering's optional. And when people come judging, our job is to ask them instead to stop judging, start helping, and really have them do some self-reflection of what they could do to impact the situation so that none of us are victims. Before you do that, though, don't you have to go through a step of showing empathy and, you know, and, and like, I hear you, I hear what you're, what you're saying to me, or I understand how, you know, you might be concerned about that. Don't you have to do that first, or can you avoid that step? I think at the beginning, before you've really proved out your relationship, I always want people showing empathy because I care about you. I'm just not going to enable you. And so mm -hmm. empathy is, I notice you're struggling. And somebody came up to me and they said, these jobs are undoable. And I said, gosh, dang, you sound so frustrated. Have you really come to believe the job's undoable? And I showed the empathy by saying, I heard you. You sound frustrated. But then my call to greatness was this. You know, I bet the job seems undoable with your current skill set and your current approach and your current mindset. The job probably is undoable. What do you need to change in your skill set, your mindset, or your approach 
to be more able at this job. And do you see what I did? I had empathy, but I called it greatness. Sympathy mm -hmm. is collusion. I know. I don't know how they expect to stood either. This is all going to end poorly and everyone's unsafe and, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I love that you're creating higher expectations. You're, it's, it's fewer calories for me to come in and be a BMW for, and then you turn it around on me and you've probably had people look a little shell shock when you do that. Yeah. right? And then you're actually wanting me to go off and do more. I thought I was just going to come in and get a pat on the head. You know, yeah. I love that because and, that's and the accountability it. piece kicking in, right? It is. And we have over-rotated on engagement. I want to let you vent and hear you. But engagement without accountability creates entitlement. And we've over-rotated on hearing people and empathy and opinion surveys and engagement. But we've chickened out on the accountability piece. Now, if you're mm -hmm. a high accountable, I want to create the cushiest place for you to work ever. One. I don't believe there's a talent um, or shortage of talent out there. I believe there's a shortage of great places for high accountables to work. And so I want my workplace to be the best. And I will give you, you know, whatever you need. I went to the office the other day and they had a dog groomer in. And people are like, isn't that a little entitled? I said, have you met my people? They're so high accountable. They have a dog groomer in, so they leave work less. I'm like, the same act is not going to be measured the same based on accountability. So if you're high accountable, the sweet spot is me valuing you in any way I can. But if you're low accountable, I can't buy your love. I can't get you to step up. That's your stuff, your choice. Yeah. So do you have separate rules for high accountables versus low accountables? I do. And it drives people nuts. When people work for me within a couple of weeks, they accuse me of playing favorites. They're like, Cy, you play Me favorites. Too. I'm like, yes, I do. Do you want to mm -hmm. be one? Work from <laughs> home. Yeah. Do you want to be one? Work from home. You come to me, you're a high accountable. Sorry, I'd like to work from home. Sweetie, you can work from Tahiti as far as I care. Let me yeah, buy right. you a ticket. <laughs> a low accountable comes to me and says, I'd like to work from home. I say, well, in order to earn that benefit, you need to show me how fluently you can work from here. Working from home. See, a lot of people want benefits on the promise of results. I need you to show me results and the benefits will follow. People say it all the time. It's not fair that they get to do this and I don't. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. It's not fair. It's not fair mm -hmm. that you don't do what you need to do so that you have the same benefits that other people have. That's really unfair. They want to get the credit card without actually establishing any credit with the bank. Oh. <laughs> I love that. That's a great way to say it. Well, realitybasedleadership.com is the website. Sai, I know that people are going to have further questions for you. How do you like to be contacted through Twitter or your email or through the website portal itself? Yeah, we are crazy on social media. So okay. connect with me on LinkedIn. Go to my YouTube channel, backslash Sai Wakeman and binge watch. We monitor everything for engagement. We want you engaging out there. I've got a Facebook watch show. I've got a podcast called No Ego. But if you have a direct question for me, just email it to info at .com. Otherwise, I'll see you on Twitter and Instagram and all the others. Yeah, she's got a great room of clips and videos and all the media you've done. And I just, it was a fun smorgasbord this morning, getting ready to talk to you. So hit the website, everybody. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I hope to be back. We've got a lot more to talk about.
Yeah, Definitely. I really want to drill down more into this like, this accountability thing because it's an area where a lot of us tend to wrestle with, especially because we're so concerned about the culture. We want to be able to have the accountability without damaging that. And so I think that's a whole other conversation for another time. And I hope we'll have you back. I would love that. I would love that. And here's the answer, folks. The same behavior won't please a high accountable and a low accountable at the same time. So if you're worried about your culture and you have low accountables in your culture, you're going to tick them off. But you're always mm-hmm. going to tick somebody off. Tick off the right people. There you go. And we still want you back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the quick ending really quick. And Saya, help us out by sharing this with all your stakeholders as well. If you're listening for the first time, please share this. Tell a friend, tell your stakeholders, tell your network. Help us out by recommending this. Please subscribe. We love subscriptions. And review. And rate and review, yeah. please. And recommend on Overcast. All the back episodes are at managesmarter.com. We are also on the C-Suite Radio Network. I don't know if you knew that, Cy. I didn't, but that's an awesome network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we welcome feedback. Anybody has um, a guest suggestion, you can fill out the guest portal on managesmarter.com or send me your feedback and email at Audrey Strong. It's a strong at salesfuel.com. My name is Audrey. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.